There is a quote by Abraham Lincoln, and I may get it a little bit wrong, but he says, you can please some of the people some of the time and none of the people none of the time, but not all of the people all of the time. And then there is a musical called Flower Drum Song. It's from the, it was made in the 1960s and they slaughtered this quote and basically said, you can only please half of the people at a time. That is what I did last week. I only pleased half of the people at a time because I had half of the people screaming at me uh, that they needed more information on boundaries and a refresher course. And then I had half of the people saying, Mandy, you already posted this one. All right, so I only pleased half of the people at a time. So hopefully with this episode, we will please the other half because, you know, that's how I roll. Abraham Lincoln, you can only please half of the people at a time. So now as we're getting started, there's a lot of information on this podcast that I've been asked to try and cover. So I'm going to see how much of it I can fit in. I'm going to cram a lot into a little. So just kind of hang on and bear with me, okay? The first thing that I really want to talk about, because this is kind of a theme that I've been noticing, is people do not understand what failure actually is and what processing actually is. So I really need to help you get a grip on those. My husband used to come to me and tell me that he was a failure. And I would say, you cannot fail a test you haven't finished. Uh, This takes me back to when I was growing up, and you oldies but goodies will remember this with me. This is a test of the emergency broadcast system. Ad nauseum, right? Okay, well, this brings me to one of my absolute favorite quotes, and I quote it all the time for myself and for other people. This life is a test. It is only a test, meaning... That's all it is. Nothing more, but nothing less. Now, the thing that I add on to this quote is, you are not the one who decides when you're finished with this test, and you're not the one who gets to grade it. So, that's a problem, right? How can you tell if you're a failure if you're not the one who gets to determine if you failed the test or not? Well, that's where... I see the problem lies in our definition of failing. I was talking to a client the other day and she was complaining that all she got to do was fail. And then she just got to try and fail again and try and fail and again, fail again. And she said, isn't that what this is? And I said, that, that's not what failure is. We've been told that you try, you fail, you pick up, you try again, you fail. But where does that take you? It takes you nowhere. You get nowhere. So I told her that's not how failure works. Failure is you try, you mess up, you come back, and you learn from what you've messed up. And then you try different Ah, you guys who have been listening to me remember that in my house, we don't try harder, we try different. Because if failure is to teach us, then it can't just be repetitive. You can't just keep failing over and over and over again. Now, when I say all of this stuff about a test, 
What do you do when you're taking a test and you realize that you answered a question wrong earlier? You go back up, you erase it, and you put the right answer in, right? Okay, so you learn and you come back. If you don't know the answer to one, and this is, I'm going to give you tips on how I take tests. I go through and I answer the ones I know right off the bat, and then I go back and I answer the ones that I had a few questions on, and then I go back and I answer the ones that I really don't know and I have to think a lot about. So that's kind of how I do life too. I go through and I'm pushing forward and I move towards what I feel I need to do. When I don't know what I'm doing, I go back and I look at it and then I move forward again. And if I don't really know what I'm doing, then I go back and I ask people and I talk to people and I research and I get, I get resources involved and then I move forward again. So failure should not be a stop and recycle point. Failure is learning. Otherwise, it's nothing. And you know that you cannot live in nothing. So I really wish that we would stop saying, I have failed this or I'm a failure, because that means we've stopped. We're stuck. We can't move. And that's just not how we work. And that's not how life works. So we need to change the definition because we can't change the word for it. So please stop looking at failure and being a failure and failing as anything but learning and a way to reconfigure and a way to focus different and a way to step back and move forward on a different path. A lot of people believe that in the mental health world, processing is talking. And there's some of that to processing, but once again, if it's not moving in a direction, then what's the point? So if all you're doing is telling me a story over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, oh, look, you're as sick of hearing that as I am, uh-huh, then you're not processing. All you're doing is regurgitating. There is an actual term in the mental health world. It's called rumination. Now, when I first learned about this term, it was lovely because my lovely professor used what it really is to make sure that we understood what it was in the mental health field. So cows have four stomachs. <clears throat> this is just biology. Now, I this is basic and I'm not getting into all of the uh, biological factors of this. I'm doing a brief overview of it, all right? So what happens is a cow will take a bite of grass and they'll chew it and they'll swallow it and their first stomach will throw it back up, ruminate it. Ah, and then they'll chew it with those lovely enzymes and then they'll swallow it and it'll go into the second stomach and they'll throw it back up and it's called ruminating, uh-huh. And then they'll chew it and then they'll swallow it and it goes into the third stomach. You get the idea. So basically rumination is just throwing things up until they're so disgusting that you don't wanna have anything to do with them. This is what we do with thoughts, is we ruminate. We just throw the thoughts out there 
we vomit them all over ourselves or others. Then we take them back and we chew on them and then we throw them out there for ourselves and others. And then we take them back and we chew on them until they're so disgusting. You can't even see what they're supposed to be. How is that processing? How is that getting you anywhere? It isn't. All it's doing is making it so that nobody else wants to listen to you talk because it's disgusting. I know of several clients who have tried to come in and sit in my office and tell me the same story that they've told everybody else. And they look at me and they say, Mandy, nobody's ever been able to help me. I'm like, that's because you're just telling the same story for the 500th time. What do you think the difference is going to be on the 501 time? There is no difference here. You're just telling me the same story. And they think I'm really rude when I cut them off. Like, I don't need to hear this story. This story is getting you nowhere. I know where this story is coming from. So let's talk about where the story is coming from and let's talk about where the story needs to go. Don't just tell me the story that you've told everybody 500 times. Nobody else wants to hear it, including you if you're perfectly honest with yourself. So... In place of rumination, processing means looking at the experience, seeing where it came from, seeing where it is right now, and seeing where you want to go with it. Sometimes it doesn't take very much. Sometimes all it takes is for you to get it out, and that's where the talking comes in. Sometimes we make things 10 times worse in our head than it is in reality, and so it needs to get out so that it's real and truthful, and it can just sit where it is. When my husband was dealing with his abuse that caused his depression, he made a list of things that his abusers had done to him. Some of those things, once he wrote them down, that was it. He didn't need to deal with it anymore. He just needed to get it out. And so he did. And it was done. Okay, now some of those things needed a little bit more work until they got filed away in the right place. And that is what a professional helps you do, is one, determine what needs to be dealt with and processed and what where it needs to be filed because we can't come up with that on our own all the time sometimes we ruminate and we tell the story for 500 times and we wonder why it doesn't get us anywhere do you understand it's like going to the doctor and asking them for a band-aid every single time you go and wonder why you're not getting any better because all you're doing is sticking band-aids all over your body that's the same thing as wondering why telling the story every single time isn't getting you anywhere. If processing is not getting you anywhere, then you're not processing. You are ruminating. So you need to see the difference there because processing needs to be productive. Otherwise, it's not doing anything. So the last thing that I was asked to address in this podcast is about birthdays. Now, I'm going to kind of glump that in with holidays, special events, all of these kinds of things because it's it all stems from the same thing. Now, I have this client who she is really, really struggling with her birthday right now. And she has said, Mandy, I hate my birthday. I hate my birthday. I hate my birthday. And I said, yes, I get it. And she's like, well, other people hate their birthday too. And I'm like, yes, I know. 
uh, because I've been telling you stories about why I hate my birthday too. But it isn't just birthdays, and you need to understand that. So um, I start warning clients, yeah, 1st of September, the holiday season is here. And you need to be ready for it. Now, I understand that Europe doesn't celebrate a lot of the same holidays that the U.S. does. And so your holiday season probably starts a little bit later and goes a little bit earlier into the new year than the U.S. does. But it's still the same concept, all right? Now, why is it that special events, holidays, birthdays, all of these things are so awful to people who have trauma, dysfunction, abuse in their past. One word, expectation. There has always been an expectation. And expectation is unhealthy. Always. Expectation is never good. Ever. Did you hear me? Ever. So, when we put expectation on anything, it's going to blow up on us. When we celebrate Mother's Day, there's an expectation that mothers want to be celebrated. Mothers don't. Mothers are tired and feel like they're ah, failing all the time. So they don't want that to be put on display. And no amount of giving mothers flowers makes them think any differently. All right. Let's do Christmas. Christmas is worldwide. Why is Christmas such an expectational holiday? Because that is when family is supposed to get together and love being together and love celebrating and everything is happy, happy, joy, joy all the time. All right, when I had little kids, I was told Christmas is for children. I'm like, bull it is. It's a stress fest. My kids are over-sugared, underslept, and overstimulated. All they were doing was crying with way too much stress energy. We had to take breaks because it was too much for them to handle on a consistent basis. So the expectation is you're going to go to these events and you're going to love it and you're going to get gifts and you're going to love them and you're going to get our message of love and support and you're going to appreciate it. Expectation. That's why it's a mess. So what do you do about it? I don't like my birthday. I don't like my birthday because a lot of really bad things have happened to me on and around my birthday. And so it reminds me of those things. When I say really bad things, I mean really bad things. Uh, I'm not going to get into the details, but my first birthday with my husband, uh, I had a baby die in my apartment. I had to perform CPR on her, and it turned out that she had been killed by her dad. Happy birthday to me. Okay, so this is an example of things that have happened to me on or around my birthday. That's not the only reason I don't like my birthday. And when friends hear that I don't like my birthday, they call me up and they're like, oh, I want to take you out to lunch for your birthday. I'm like, okay, thank you. And they take me out to lunch and they're like, are you having a good time? I'm like, yeah, this is nice. And they're like, but is this making your birthday better? I'm like, well, no. 
it isn't because you don't understand why I don't like my birthday. So how can you make it better by taking me out to lunch? Now, that might seem unfair to you, but my birthday is on April Fool's Day. That is the day where the world is granted unlimited access to pull any practical joke that they want to. Now, I love practical jokes. And I used to pull them and I used to have them pulled on me and I've had some really funny ones done to me and I have done some really funny ones. But when you grow up in abuse, it is the excuse for the abuser to torture you and get away with it out in public. My brother used to do some of the worst things to me on my birthday and my mom used to tell me that I loved it because if I wasn't being tormented on my brother, uh, if I wasn't being tormented on my birthday, that meant I wasn't being loved. So I had to claim that being abused was being loved and acknowledged on my birthday. And the other thing that was given a free pass was that if I wasn't teased on my birthday, then I didn't know anybody cared about me. Ah, do you hear the message I'm being given? If you are being <clears throat> teased, then you are cared about. Now, my brother did not tease me. My brother tormented, tortured, and abused me. So, that isn't being cared about. But I was told, especially for my birthday, that if I didn't go along with the joke, then I was the bad sport. And I was the one not accepting the love and the care and the appreciation for who I was. So here's the real reason I don't like my birthday. Because if you have to have a day that is forced on you, where people can do whatever they want and you have to love it, why in the world would you want that day to happen? If somebody appreciates me, just tell me. If somebody likes something that I've done, let me know. If somebody loves me, tell me. I can handle all of those things. What I cannot handle is the expectation that I have to accept the abuse or I do not appreciate being loved. That's not love and that is not celebrating me. That is allowing me to be abused. So I don't love my birthday. And somebody taking me out to lunch does not take away that message. It's, you know, if you wanna take me out to lunch on another day, I will act the exact same. They say, are you having fun? Yeah, this is great. I love it. Thank you. I really don't care whether it's on my birthday or not. If it's sincere, it's great. If it's not, it's not. So when I'm giving you this example of why I don't like my birthday, and I'm telling you about expectation with holidays and special events. The problem is when you come from abuse, 
you feel like the fault is yours, that you don't appreciate the gifts that are given, that you don't have fun, that you don't feel loved. While the abusers are sitting there screaming at you that they love you, can't you tell? My husband's parents would give him barely what he asked for. So he couldn't claim that they weren't giving him what he was asking for, but it was either, you know, subpar, so it would break immediately, or it didn't do what he actually wanted it to do. So why have it, right? I remember at Christmas with my in-laws, they hated giving gifts and they really hated giving gifts to me. And we were sitting there and my mother-in-law handed me a big bulk bag full of cleaning rags. Generic. They didn't even have a label on them. Merry Christmas. What's the message I'm supposed to get from that? I also, so they would call my husband up and they would say, what can we get Mandy? She's so hard to get for. And so one year my uh, husband told his parents that there was a book that I really wanted. And so they said, all right, we'll get her this book. Well, you could choose the binding and you could have it embossed. It was kind of a journal. And my favorite color is blue. And my name is not that hard. And they gave it to me and they gave it, they gave me a burgundy one. And it was not embossed and it was free to have it embossed. They'd get you at the checkout and they'd say, do you want it embossed? And you just give the name and they'd do it right there and then they'd wrap it for you. It wasn't wrapped, it wasn't embossed and it was burgundy, not blue. And they handed it to me and my mother-in-law said, it was too much work to get it embossed. So if you wanna do that, you can do that yourself. Oh, so basically the message you just gave me is you really didn't want to buy this for me and you spent more effort and energy than you really wanted to and the rest is left up to me. Then don't give me anything. Or you can give me a big bag of cleaning rags. I don't know what that message is supposed to mean, right? All right, do you understand where the expectation is? It isn't that... I should be cleaning my house. It's that the expectation is, why am I asking for gifts? I'm not worth it. Yeah, that's the expectation. So why do I want to go and celebrate a holiday with them? Why did my husband want to go celebrate a holiday with them? They didn't want to celebrate a holiday with us. So here's my point with special days, holidays, and birthdays, is that you have to change them. The opposite of expectation is hope. So instead of placing expectation on a special day or a holiday or a birthday, place hope on a special day, a holiday or a birthday. Hope that people care about you. Hope that you can have a good day. Hope that somebody will give you a gift that you want. Hope that you can do an activity that you will enjoy. Hope that no baby dies in your apartment. <laughs> I have these hopes. I over-decorate because under-decorating is depressing. So it's barely effort and that's what was thrown on me and my husband. 
I made sure that my girls got to go and celebrate their birthdays with the activities that they wanted. I didn't place the emphasis on gifts. I placed the emphasis on time and time spent and experiences and situations so that they knew that we were there for them and that we wanted to be there with them. I make sure that these special days don't have expectation attached to them, that there's hope with them. I hope they have a good time. I hope that they gain new experiences. I hope that they learn. I hope that they feel loved and supported and cared for instead of pushing and torturing and telling them they're worthless. So for all of you people out there, and there are a lot of you, and I know it, and I live it, who struggle with their birthdays and holidays and special days, you got to do them different. You just have to because the expectation is ruining it. Stop making it about what you get. Stop making it about what is expected. Stop making it about the stress and do it the way you want to do it and make it an event that makes everybody enjoy and feel hope.